0: Welcome to this week's Manor House message. We are grateful you are listening with us today. It is our prayer that you will receive a fresh word from God and find encouragement for every season of your journey. Let's listen to this message from Pastor Mark. Man, I am truly uh, loving this series. And uh, for those that are new, uh, my name is Dylan Kirsten and I. Uh, we're not sure what we do right now, um, but we're just here to serve. <laughs> and... Um, Make sure to not mess it up too badly with the microphone, I guess. I'm just playing. Um, But we love this church. We love our church. And uh, man, it just seems like God's just doing something here at Manor House. Can you sense it? It just feels like God is just opening some things up, wanting to pour in. And uh, the worship series, and even this series, Walking Upon the Water, I think God's trying to remind us again of what He's capable of. Um, So oftentimes, I reduce God to what I'm capable of. (laughs) God's trying to remind me, hey, I need you to remember what I'm capable of. Before I even just get into the message, I don't do this often, and so I'm just gonna go for it. I don't know you guys, I just know your pastors. And I felt like in worship, God just gave a word for me for you guys that you started this journey on a word and what's gonna sustain your journey is a word. And just like Daniel, it says that he prayed for three weeks. It wasn't that there wasn't a word ready. It was that there was a word ready. It just had to make its way. And I just felt like there was a word for you, that there's a word coming that's not just gonna start, that didn't just start your journey, that's gonna cause you to sustain into significance. You've been praying for significance. God's saying the same word that started is the same word sending you into significance. And uh, I don't know, we could talk afterwards. You can let me know if I'm off. Um, just after service and let me down gently. <laughs> um We're going to jump into week two of this um, message called Upon the Waters. And this whole sermon series is to cause us to lift our eyes to remind ourselves of what God is capable of. Because again, like I said before, I'm, I'm guilty as charged of reducing God to what I'm capable of. And week one, I think Pastor Mark did it so eloquently, reminded us that God doesn't just call us to take unnecessary risk. Like, like. God is a big God and He can do the impossible, but sometimes I think we've done dumb things in the name of God that never, God never asked us to do. God, God does call us to be obedient and living a life of obedience inherently puts you into some situations that are risky. But remember, the initiation was always God. Our job is to simply respond. And and today uh, we're going to continue looking at this passage of Peter in the storm um, because I want to look at what stops you and I from stepping out in faith for what God has for us or what stops us, what what causes us to sink, so to speak, instead of walk out what God has for us. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to two scriptures this morning first one is Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. I'll read it and you guys can follow along. Here, here we go. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. I don't know about you, but sometimes don't you feel like life just seems to be against you? I feel like even this morning, there's some things that have been against you. The natural world that you and I live in, there's things that cause us to get buffeted, that come against us. And it says this, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Notice, Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage in his eye, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, here we go. I love my boy, Pete. Tell me to come out to you on the water. Jesus responds with just one word, come. Then Peter got down to the boat, walked on water. That's just so easy to pass over that. Um, And came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. One more passage, Um, James chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. Um, If not, there's an app with all of the notes on it, so you can follow us along on the app. James chapter 1, and keep in mind, when when James is penning this letter, I can't help but think that James is recalling this story, because as Peter's walking on water, remember, James is the guy in the boat. So, So, I can't help but when I read this, think that James, as he's writing this, he's recalling this moment because I think they parallel each other so well. And this is what James says. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. This morning, I feel like we're supposed to remind ourselves because sometimes if you're anything like me, we forget. Remind ourselves of what God is capable. This story, I think, doesn't just illustrate what happens in the storm, but I think it illustrates our response to the storm. It's a famous passage with, Most of us have probably read it a lot of times, but this story is not just to demonstrate, like, hey, you're gonna go through a storm. Super encouraging preacher, there's a storm coming. You've been through a storm, there's another one coming, it's gonna get you. But I think this story illustrates our response in the storm. Peter's response should be our response. This story illustrates a couple things. If you're taking down notes, I think it illustrates the wind and the waves that you and I face, doubt and its repercussions. And lastly, God revealed through the storm. If you're taking down notes, would you just write down this message? God seen through the storm. The title of this message is Storms Cause Me to See. Storms cause me to see to see. Come on, would you bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to pray front to the back. We came to do church. We didn't came to just for a good service. We came to encounter Jesus. When God shows up in the boat, storms subside. When Jesus reaches out, lives are transformed. God, we just come to you again. God, those that don't know you, God, I pray that they would encounter you with Jesus that loves them unconditionally. God, you're a God that reaches into our world. God, I pray, Father, right now for those that have been walking with you. God, I pray that you'd remind us again of what you're capable of. God, I pray that today, God, that you would meet with us. God, I pray right now that you would intervene. God, I pray that you would heal. God, I pray you would set free. God, today we're raising our expectations, not because we're mustering it up, because we're seeing what you're capable of. God, we thank you that you're here. God, we thank you for our city. We thank you for the Northwest. You obviously love it. God, you've given us the Seahawks, the Oregon Ducks, and the Trailblazers. You've obviously put your hand on this region, given us great sports teams. We thank you in your mighty name. Amen. That's funny. Hey. Hey, when I read this passage, um, a couple of things jump out to me because it's a famous passage in the Bible that most of us have probably read at some point, but, but something stood out to me and it says about this particular passage that Jesus immediately got the disciples' into the boat. And let's look at the context that this story uh, immediately follows another famous story where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Do you remember the story? Thousands of people are listening to Jesus teach. They're hungry. Jesus tells His disciples, hey, you go feed them. And uh, the disciples are like, we can't feed them. We don't have enough money. And then Jesus takes the sack lunch, takes the bread, takes the fish, breaks it. And thousands of people, 5,000. They say more than that with women and children, but let's just say for like non-youth pastor, exaggeration numbers sake, it was just 5,000 people. Jesus supernaturally fed five. 5,000 people, and immediately following this story, Jesus tells them, I need you to get into the boat. If it was me, I would not immediately leave the situation. I'm just going to be honest. Like, if it was me, I have just performed a miracle where thousands of people's natural needs were satisfied. I would stick around a little bit. I'm just going to be honest. You know, I'd be out in the lobby shaking hands. Hey, thanks for coming to church. You're welcome. Um, Hey... You know, I bless you, you know, you know, be warm, be filled. You know what I mean? Like if I was Jesus, I'd be hanging around like, you're welcome. I made a little bit extra for you to go home. You don't need to go out for brunch. I got a little extra for your brunch. You know what I'm saying? Like, like anybody else think that they would be sticking around just a little bit? Yet it's so strange to me that Jesus makes this, He makes this decision for His disciples. He's saying, hey, we've just done this miracle. It's time for you to get into the boat. And and the reason why is illustrated in John's Gospel. Matthew, Mark, and John are the three Gospels that record this story. But John's Gospel records a specific detail that answers this question, why? It says in John chapter six, perceiving then that they were about to come and take Him by force to make Him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain By himself. Why did Jesus withdraw? Why did he put the disciples into the boat? Because he's fed 5,000 people, and it says that the people were immediately trying to make him king. The people were trying to fit Jesus into their world. Roman rule, you're the Messiah. We're, we want you to save us. We want you to throw off oppression, the Roman government, the Roman rule. Jesus, we think this is how you can fit into our world. Jesus, this is what we think that you can do for us. And so how often do we do that approach when it comes to Jesus? Jesus, I think this is what you're able to do in my world. But could it be Jesus is trying to tell a story? I'm not trying to get pulled into your world. I'm trying to pull you up on the water. I'm not trying to just simply meet your needs. I'm trying to get you to walk where I walk. This story, Jesus is trying to reveal something. Could it be that we want Jesus to rule so we avoid the storms? Could it be Jesus is trying to illustrate, I wanna rule so you see that I'm the God over the storms? We want Jesus, God, I need you to meet my needs. Maybe Jesus is saying, I'm trying to get you to simply walk where I walk. We're trying to pull Jesus down into our world. Jesus says, no, I got something better for you. I'm trying to pull you into my world. You're seeing through natural eyes. I'm trying to pull you into a supernatural realm. When we read this story, Peter, Peter gets the brunt end of the stick because Peter's the guy that makes me feel better about my Christianity. If you're ever feeling bad about your walk with Jesus, just read about Peter. He will make you feel a lot better. He's the guy on the Mount of Transfiguration who Jesus levitates and shines. And then Peter's like, God, this is good. Time to build a church on the hill. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is great. And then literally the heavens open and God the Father rebukes him publicly. Peter's the guy that tells Jesus, no, you don't have to die. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That is a really harsh church rebuke. I'm just gonna be honest with you. If Jesus said that, I would probably crumble. Peter's the guy that like betrays Jesus. He's the guy like the servant girl, I'm nervous, betrays Jesus. He's the guy that pulls out the sword, his own gospel that he has marked right. He doesn't mention names, but there was an unnamed disciple that pulled out the sword, cut off the ear. That was Peter, like this is this guy. And he's constantly known for all the things that he messes up. And like when we read this story, it's like, Peter, he's the guy that sank, you know? Couldn't even walk on water. (laughs) joker, you know what I'm saying? Couldn't, he, couldn't he even stay afloat, you know, this guy. Anybody else, sometimes we, we forget that Peter actually walked on water. Anybody else forget Peter was actually walking in the supernatural? When I read this story, I ask this question, how could, how, if I was walking on water, I mean, I don't care how big those waves are. It's like I'm surfing without a surfboard oh, I see what, this is just a little bit more fun time. It's like, I'm gonna like climb some waves. Like, like, like we read this story and I think to myself, how could Peter sink after walking on the supernatural? Anybody else? Like, how is that even How is that even possible? Have you ever noticed that there's certain things in your life where like the novelty of something has worn off? Like some of us that are a little bit older than 25, uh, I'm getting there. Um, like if they told you 25 years ago that, your television, you could carry it around in your pocket. <laughs> what? No, that's not possible. No, it's true. You're going to literally be able to stream whatever you want from a device that fits in your pocket from the TV. The one where my coat hanger is now the antenna. Some of you remember, trying to get that signal. You know what I'm saying? Impossible. No, like, like we forget that this technology is kind of amazing. Like, do you remember the first time that you flew? Do you remember the experience, the novelty of it? How incredible it was when you first stepped onto an aeroplane that a hundred years ago, that this is not happening, but for you and I now, it's like you get onto a plane the first time and you sit down in this metal tube thinking to yourself, my goodness, I'm about to fly. This is crazy. Humans don't fly, but I'm about to. And you're sitting in a chair and you're thinking to yourself, "How hey, is this so comfortable. This is so amazing. This is so great. And the captain gets on and we're about to take off and you take off on a flight and all of a sudden you're pushed back into your seat because you forgot that this is the fastest that you're ever going to go in your entire life. And you don't realise how fast you're going. But right now, the first time you're like, I'm really going really fast right now. I can literally... Feel it. And then you get to 10,000 feet and, the, and the, the plane, a pilot comes on, that's the name for that person. A pilot comes on and they're like, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna get you to 35,000 feet. 35,000 feet! <laughs> Anybody else ever had that experience? I'm 35,000 feet in the air, oh my goodness. Like I'm closer to space than I am to the ground. The stewardess has come down complimentary drinks, complimentary, are you kidding me? Oh, yes, I will indulge on that Diet Coke, thank you so much. Crackers, wow, luxury. (laughs) You get to your destination and you walk off your flight and it was like four hours of time travel because when you walk out, you're in a completely different place than when you walked on. Like it was cold in the Northwest and I'm walking out into Cabo right now, wow. Miracle, 21st century technology, but I don't feel that way anymore when I fly. Like right now, flying, I get to travel a little bit. Flying is like a necessary evil. I have to take my shoes off. Uh, This chair is not as big as I remember it. In fact, how can they fit so many people on the back section of this flight? You know what I'm saying? It's like, captain's giving us instructions because we're about to get 35,000 feet in the air. Mm, Don't need to listen to those. Headphones in, time for me to check out. Stewardess is coming down, stewards coming down with like drinks and beverages, complimentary. This is not complimentary. My taxes and fees literally paid for this 30 times over. This is not free. I paid for this somehow. And so I'm gonna take as much as I can get. It's like, you finally get to your destination. You're like, wow, finally I got there. It's like a glorified bus trip. Have you found the novelty of flying wearing off just me, how often do I forget what I'm actually doing? You see, it says that Peter was walking on water, and we get we, get, we kind of look at Peter and we think to ourselves, How could you forget that, that you're walking on water? Because you and I do it all the time, you and I forget what God has actually called us to, because last time I checked, when you give your life to Jesus, He's not about making your life better. He's about transforming you into something that you could never do on your own. Let's just talk about salvation for a moment. Last time I checked, God didn't make me a better person. He took Dylan, who was dead in my sin, who had no ability to fix himself. And he calls me to be a brand new person that when God looks at Dylan, he doesn't see my flaws and my faults. What he sees is a person who has been perfected by the person of Jesus. And I'm just simply walking, that perfection out. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I found myself pulled up to be walking on water. Have we forgotten? Anybody else forgot? What happened when you gave your life to Jesus that it caused you to walk on water to do and step into the supernatural? Or is it just me? I kind of forgot. When it comes to my needs, Jesus, You made a promise that You would satisfy my every need, that everything I need is personally found in you I don't have anything naturally but supernaturally I have everything that I need anybody else forget heaven we forget heaven is just not this destination I'm going to, but heaven is something that I'm supposed to experience here and now that I can experience heaven on earth, which means the antithesis is true. You can experience hell on earth, which maybe you've walked into feeling and what God promises. You don't have to wait to get to heaven that I promise to bring heaven here on earth. Is there anybody else that forgets what God has pulled us into? Like Peter, notice what, Peter's problem, I think like our problem, he found himself sinking. Why do I sink? It says that Peter, says when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. I'm not gonna tell you anything that you've not heard before. You you can't see wind. None of us see wind. We We just see the effects of wind. Peter began to sink like so often I do. Because there was something, there was a storm that shifted his focus from what Jesus had done for him. He forgot he was walking on water and his focus shifted to the storm. His focus shifted on what the wind had the potential to produce. Anybody else find themselves sinking when your focus shifts on the potential of a storm? What could happen to you? What could happen in this situation that when it comes to your future, I find myself sinking because I don't know my future. I don't know what my future holds. And because I can't see it, I find myself sinking because I'm afraid of the future. I don't have faith for my future. I forgot that the God who saved me in my past is already in my future. When it comes to finances, there's potential I could lose all my money. I lost all my money. We forget. I used to be lost. But now I'm found. And this storm has the potential to take away everything that I've built, but it doesn't have the potential to take away what God has found. But I forget. It comes to relationships. I'm so focused On the people around me, I'm so consumed by what people think about me. I'm such an insecure person because I'm constantly catering to what I think everybody else wants from me, but I forgot what he thinks about me, which causes me to live a secure life. Is there anybody else? You find storms begin to happen in your life and our focus shifts to the potential of what they could do to you. And they find, we find, I find myself sinking. You see, When it comes to storms, can I propose this thought to you? Storms don't have to, but they have the potential to produce something. Storms don't have to, but they have the potential to produce something. You see, what did Jesus get after Peter for? What does James begin to write about? Storms don't have to, but they have the potential to produce this thing called doubt. James, let him ask in faith with no doubting. You can throw that scripture back on. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's a bit harsh. Because he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Peter, Jesus said to Peter, you're sinking. And at the end of the story, he says, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Have you thought what doubt does to you and I? In fact, let's throw this definition on the screen. This is what doubt means. Doubt means to be of two minds unsure of what to believe, to sunder, which we don't use that often, but in a marriage ceremony, we'd say what God's put together, let no person sunder, let no one separate. Doubt literally means this. Doubt means to separate. Doubt What does doubt do to you and I? It begins to separate us. Well, what does it separate us from? Notice, Peter was doing the miraculous. Peter was walking on water. He was doing something that he couldn't do on his own strength. But how did he come to find himself in this situation? Peter made a decision. He said, Jesus, if you want me to walk on water, tell me to come. Peter made a decision to step out of the boat, not on his strength, but because there was a word from God. Peter found himself walking on water because of what God had spoken. And when Peter finds himself sinking, what do we find? We found that doubt has separated Peter from what God has spoken. Have you noticed doubts in your life separates you and I from the Word of God? Anybody else have doubts that begin to try and separate you from what God has spoken? Anybody else have doubts that come into your head? How do you know that you're not gonna deal with this addiction forever? And that doubt begins to swirl, and I'm not sure. I forgot that God made a promise that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Doubt, God, how am I supposed to provide for my future? I don't know, I can't see it yet. Doubt, God, I forgot. I forgot what Your Word says, that even a sparrow falls to the ground. You know every hair on my head, How much more are you gonna take care of me? Anybody else recognize doubt? Doubt begins to separate you and I from what God has spoken. This isn't in my notes. Doubt, God doesn't have a problem dealing with doubt. One of His disciples was doubting Thomas. God can deal with your doubt because He has the answers, but doubt undealt with leaves you and leads you into disbelief. You see, doubt says, God, I'm not sure. Disbelief says, God, you can't. See, when it comes to doubt, doubt causes questions, but if we don't answer those questions, what happens is disbelief takes place. It's not, God, I'm not sure. You come to a position where it's now, God, you can't. And maybe some of us found ourselves here. There was doubts that were not dealt with. There was doubts that were not addressed properly and you find yourself in disbelief. God, yeah, thanks for saving me, but you can't heal me. God, thanks for speaking to me, but maybe you can't speak to them. God, you can help me, but you can't help this marriage. You see, doubt, What does doubt do? Doubt separates you and I from the Word of God. But James takes it one step further. He says, this is the repercussion of doubt. He says, that person must not suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Double-minded means two minds, conflicting minds, conflicting minds voices going on in your head. Anybody else know what I'm talking about when you have this conflicting voice in your head? And James says this, that you can't receive anything when you're in that state of mind. How? Why? I I used to think it like, God, I got to remove all my doubt and and then I can walk by faith. But I don't think that's what James is saying. It's not that God doesn't want to give us what we need. Um, When Kirsten and I go out on dates, Um, we're we're trying to get a couple a month, And so sometimes we'll sit in the car and we'll ask the question, hey, what do you wanna eat? Anybody else ever get stuck when it comes to that question? Is it just me? Portland has some good restaurants. And right now, I'm gonna give some free promo to those restaurants. And so if you wanna throw that back with a free meal, if you wanna throw that back by saying, hey, you and your wife can come on a date, I will take it. But there's some good food in Portland, right? Like Thai food. Chaba Thai down the road, pad Thai, my jam, you know what I'm saying? Like it is good. But then there's American food like Tilt Burger. It is a really good burger. Like to buy a burger? You got Chinese food, you got Lebanese fruit, Nicholas's, and Yahala. Oh my goodness, holla at you, boy, it's good. Man, there's so many. And what happens is Kiss and I were sitting in the car and was like, well, what do you want? And I'm caught in two minds because I've, I've got some options. And the problem isn't there's not something to satisfy me. The problem with a double mind isn't that there's a pathway for me. The problem with a double mind isn't that God doesn't have what you need ready for you. The problem with a double mind is it causes you not to know what you want. In fact, you you think about Peter. Let's think about Peter for a moment. He's doubting, he's being separated from the Word of God and he finds himself drowning. Anybody else realize that Peter probably at least had the ability to swim? I mean, he's a fisherman. I mean, he probably has got at least a doggy paddle down. He, He could probably survive for a little bit. And Peter finds himself Drowning. He found himself sinking. Doubt is separating him from what God has spoken. And what is it causing? It's causing him to be in two minds because it's not that God doesn't have what he needs. The two minds is causing him to not know what he really wants because right now the temptation with a double minded person is do I trust what God has for me or do I take matters into my own hands and do I trust myself? Do I hold on to the word of God that God has spoken or do I hold on to what's comfortable like Kirsten shared this week because it's comfortable because I'm the one in control and I find. Myself double minded, unsure of what I want because part of me wants what He has for me, but part of me is not willing to let go of what I can do. And when I'm holding on to myself, there's no room for God to put something into my hands. Amen. When I'm holding on to my strength, there's no place to receive. It's not that God doesn't have something, it's that I'm unsure of what I want. You see, this story doesn't highlight the storms that we face, because maybe you walked in and you're facing a storm. When I read this story, it actually illustrates what we're supposed to do, our response in the storm. Because notice, it says when we find ourselves in the storm, Peter says that he cried out. Peter cried out, Lord, save me. I've never seen this before. When I read that passage, for me, it was kind of like this desperation, like, Peter, you had no choice kind of situation. Like you're drowning. I've got no choice. Jesus, I'm reaching out. But I've never read it like this. But think for a moment, Peter's sinking. He's got Jesus in front of him and he's got the disciples behind him. Wouldn't there be a temptation to cry out to the disciples? If it was me, you are way more spiritual than me. But if it was me, Jesus, I tried the whole water walking thing. Didn't work out. I'm going to call to my fellas in the boat because I, I know that that thing that floats on water. Peter, Peter had a decision. It says that he cried out. He called out and said, Jesus would you save me? There was a temptation to go back to what was familiar. There was the opportunity to call out to the friends in the boat. But Jesus made a decision, which is a faith statement. I've never seen it before. But Jesus, uh, Peter made a conscientious decision. He said, Jesus, I'm calling out to you. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm not putting my trust in my ability. Jesus, I'm putting my trust in your ability, not in what my friend's ability is. And the world would tell us, hey, if you just believe in yourself, you'll make it through. That is not true. Sometimes believing in yourself causes you to sink faster, the world will tell you you just need to get around the right crew. The right people will help you if they just point you to the person, the right decision, the faith decision that Peter made was he said, Jesus, I'm crying out to you. I'm going to take a step of faith. Something that God's been teaching me is I don't know if I've shared it here, but so oftentimes we're told we need to hear the voice of God because we do. We need to know what God's voice sounds like. But something that God's been challenging me on is recognizing what the voice of the enemy sounds like. That when it comes to my life, I began to recognize what what his voice sounds like because have you noticed that when the enemy speaks, he often uses the form of a question? Let's Let's just think back to when he has spoken, Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say, don't eat from this tree? Question mark. Jesus in the wilderness, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread? Question mark. Anybody else find there's a voice in your head that keeps asking the question? Dylan, this is the voice that I get. Dylan, how do you know that addiction's gonna be broken? Question mark. How do you know you're not gonna deal with this for the rest of your life? Question mark. How do you know the future's bright? How do you know? My temptation in the past was I used to think that I had to answer those questions. In what I found myself getting into trouble was I found myself sinking because what happened was I felt like it was my responsibility to respond to those questions. Well, how do I know that this sin addiction is gonna be broken? Well, I've been doing good for a couple days. days. I've been clean for a couple days and so I'm doing good. But then when I mess up, that all of a sudden that doubt begins to come in. It's like, well, I messed up. How do I know that it's just gonna be a matter of time before I fall again? Anybody else have this kind of thought process in your head? How do I know that the future is gonna be good? Well, right now it seems really good, but then I got fired from my job and now I'm not sure because my 401k was doing really good, but then the stock market crashed and now it's not doing really good. There's times where it seems like it's working out and there's times where it's not working out. And I feel like I'm the one that had to answer the question. And God spoke to me. And this is me being really vulnerable. I used to get panic attacks over this because I couldn't get this out of my head. I had to to answer everything. I used to get anxious about the future. And I remember God spoke to me and he says, Dylan, you keep responding to questions I've already answered. It began to reveal something to me, Dylan, when you respond to those questions, you're taking matters into your own hands. You keep thinking that you have the ability to think yourself out of this situation. You have the ability to plan yourself out of the situation. There's somebody here dealing with an addiction and it's this whole thought process. I can will myself out of this addiction. There's some of us here, we've walked in and I can just I can just discipline myself out of this. And what happens is Dylan, you begin to realise you're, you're, you're depending on your own strength. Instead of crying out to me, you're trying to doggy paddle. God, convicted me, he says, Dylan, you keep responding to questions I've already answered, because when it comes to my future, this is your Word, that I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. God, I can't see it, but what I recognise is, God, you're a God in my future, and so I'm going to trust you at your Word. How do I know that this addiction is not going to stay with me for the rest of my life? God, your promise says no weapon formed against me is going, to, uh, is going to prosper, and so God, I'm holding on. Right now, some of you, when it comes to areas in your life, there's, there's a Word that God has for you that we're supposed to hold on to, because Peter, Peter took a step of faith and he says, God, I'm crying out. But notice, secondly, this is what happened. It says that Peter simply held on to Jesus. He cried out, and I love this. It says that Jesus immediately reached down. Three times, Jesus did something immediately. Immediately, He sent them in the boat. People were trying to fit Jesus into His world. And He says, immediately, I need to show and reveal to you that I'm trying to pull you into my world says the disciples were afraid, that they were afraid of Jesus and immediately He spoke to calm them. Some of you here, you think God is out to get you. You think God is trying to expose something, but immediately Jesus is trying to calm that fear. I'm for you, not against you. But when Peter cried out for help, it says that Jesus immediately reached out. For some of us, we think if we cry out, He's gonna let me stoop. If I cry out, He's gonna make me ponder the decisions that I've made to get me in this situation. If I cry out, Jesus is gonna try and let me see what I'm able to do on my own strength. But the God's promise was Jesus reached out immediately. He reached out, my response was simply to hold on. You see, Peter, Jesus reached out to his situation and Peter's responsibility was simply to hold on because the storm didn't stop when he encountered Jesus. Sometimes I think, that if Jesus is in my world, the storm's supposed to stop. Or when Jesus, I have an encounter with Jesus, the storm's supposed to stop. The storm didn't stop. Sometimes there's seasons in my life where God you're reaching out to me and all I can do is all I can do is hold on before I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. Dylan, you're, God, Dylan God's for you because this is what His Word says and I'm going to hold on. When it comes to purity God, you've given me everything to live godly life. You've provided every single one of my needs. God, I'm holding on. My responsibility is not to initiate. My responsibility is simply to hold on to what He's already promised for me. You walked in and you're dealing with something. You're frustrated. There's a storm in relationship. There's a storm that you're facing. Could I could I, could I, encourage you? Could it be that this morning is a cry out kind of morning where Jesus is reaching down to find you right where you're at. And all I need to do is I need to hold on. Because lastly, when it comes to this storm, what happens is it says that God was revealed. It says that when Jesus got into the boat, the storm didn't stop when Jesus held on to Peter. But the storm did stop. For some of you here, this is your word. Just because you're in a storm doesn't mean it's gonna always be like this. How do I know? Every storm subsides. Literally, every storm subsides what I'm anchored to dictates whether it devastates me or whether I go deeper into Jesus because notice what the disciples said, he got into the boat and they saw that this was Jesus and they worshiped Him for the Son of God because right now you might be facing a storm, but can I promise you this, I don't understand the storm. I don't know why you're going through it, but I can promise you this, on the other side of the storm, you're gonna see Jesus even more clearly. On the other side of the storm, you're gonna see what He's capable of. When it comes to my life, God, there's been seasons where I don't have provision, but on the other side of the storm, God, You provided for all of my needs. God, I'm in a storm called addiction, but on the other side of this storm, where I held on to You, I'm seeing Your faithfulness. God, I'm in a storm called relationship. God, You never promised to work on other people, but God, I'm opening up myself for You to work on me. And on the other side of the storm, God, I see that You have the ability to transform even me when it comes to the storm. On the other side, God, I know. I'm gonna see You more clearly. Right now I can't, but it's only a matter of time because as I'm holding on to You, You're pulling me into Your world. You're pulling me into what you see. God, you're pulling me into what you're able to do. Our God is still a healer. And there's a storm you're facing called physical health. I just felt this morning you're dealing with a diagnosis and it might be real, but there's a God that's saying, I'm going to reach into your situation. Our God still heals. Our God is still a supernatural God. You might be dealing with some anxiety or pressure. Our God has the ability to give peace. That surpasses all understanding. He's reaching into your world. There might be addiction that you thought you'd broken and it only came back even more times God's reaching right now into your world and He's saying, hey, I have the ability to pull you up because on the other side of my storm God, I am confident that I'm going to see you like I've never seen you before and I'm going to worship you like never before because at the end of my storm you're going to get all the glory. Come on, would you stand to your feet church because we're going to pray for just a couple of things this morning. Right now you walked into church sorry you got a yelling guy talking to you. This morning, there's some of you here, it's very real. It might be natural, it might be psychological, it might be emotional, it might be spiritual, but right now you find yourself in a storm with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here, you say, Dylan, I'm sinking. This addiction, I've tried to will myself out of it. This relationship, I've tried to fix them. Life promised me this, but I right now I'm kind of getting beat up right now by the wind and the waves. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, the first step is crying out to Him because He's a God that's not distant, He's a God that's close that when you cry out, He's already there reaching out. Would you just simply hold on? If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you're sinking, you're in a storm. You're thinking that it's gonna be the end of you. Jesus is your last hope. You've never given your life to Jesus. So you've been running from Jesus. And today you found yourself in church because a neighbour invited you. You find yourself in church because one of your co-workers said, hey, why don't you come to church? Because this might be what you're looking for right now. If you've never had an encounter with Jesus or you're, you're far from Him, you're, younger you had, but now you haven't, if you're here today, you say, Dylan, I need Jesus to save me right where I'm at. Hands are already going up. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now and I wanna be able to see it. Just stick your hand up right in the air. Come on, one, two, keep them up. Service host, we're gonna get something in your hand. Just keep them up. Keep your hands up. Front to the back. Another one down here. Service host, help me out. Keep your hand up. You're saying, Dylan, I need Jesus. I'm coming back to Jesus. You just raise your hand. Awesome. Anybody else? Keep your hand raised until we get a card in your hand. We wanna follow up with you. Another one down the front here. Another one. Anybody else, just raise your hand, hands keep going up, saying, Jesus, I need You to save me. Our God is a good God. Come on, you can put your hands down. We're gonna pray for you in just a moment. If you're here, and right now, I just, I felt so strongly this morning. You've been walking on water with Jesus and yet you find yourself in a storm and it's causing you to sink. Jesus never promised that there wouldn't be storms. He just promised that He'd be over the storm. And right now, you saying, Dylan, I know I love Jesus, but something's got a hold of me, a habit that I thought I'd left It's come back. There's a storm in my relationships that keep getting sabotaged. There's a storm financially. If that's you, you're facing a storm. You feel like you're sinking. You know you're sinking. Can I ask you right now to raise your hand? I wanna pray for you right now. Ready, one, two, three, just put your hand up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm not gonna count the hands because there's too many. You just keep hand, hand go up. You're saying, Dylan, I need, I need Jesus to intervene. I, I'm calling out. I've been calling my friends. I've been looking at what I can do, but I, I'm at the point where I just need Jesus to intervene. More hands are going up. You just keep your hand up. We're gonna, we're gonna pray here in just a moment. Here we go. This is what we're gonna do, church. Can we do this? We're going to sing this song because it's so good. But if you raise your hand, I'm gonna ask you to take a step of faith. This step isn't for me, this step is for you. Saying, God, I'm going to come out and I'm going to take a step of faith. If you raise your hand, you said, I need Jesus in my life. Or you're saying, I'm sinking. I need Jesus's divine intervention. I want you to make your way down the front right now. And right now as our service hosts, connect group leaders, ministry leads, you just get down the front as fast as you can. The rest of us, we're going to sing this song. We're going to declare God's goodness. Come on, here we go. Thank you for listening to another Manahouse House message. Our hope is that you find fresh bread for your journey each time you join us here. Until next time.